And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a terrific weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my good friend, Greg Price. It's always a great time talking to Greg. Uh, and we covered a lot. Uh, we talked about uh, the liberal obsession with prolonging the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, we talked about, uh, oh, uh, Joe Biden threatening to nuke us. That, that's great stuff from the president. Uh, we talked about Tucker Carlson's criticism of, of Mark Milley and, and the, uh, the critical race theory within the military. Uh, we talked about Kamala Harris's embarrassing pit stop in El Paso over the weekend. Covered a lot. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Greg, guys, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how you been, man? Been good, man. Good to be back on with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm uh, just catching up on, on everything I've missed. Been off the grid fishing for like four days. I missed a lot, as always. Um, we'll try to, try to get to all of it. Um, I want to start today, man, like... Just some weird stuff going on 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 the the Twitterverse. It, it seems to me like the Democrats have entered a very bizarre stage of the coronavirus pandemic, where they genuinely genuinely don't want the pandemic to end. I mean, like it's over. Anybody who wants a vaccine got the vaccine, or you know, they're just you could walk into any like drugstore ever, you know, anywhere in the country and get a vaccine if you want it. Things are open again, full capacity, like even in blue states. And the left, they hate it. They hate it. So that guy from the Daily Beast, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, Wajah Ali, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Never actually heard his name out loud. But um, uh, that Daily Beast guy, he provided us all with some solid entertainment yesterday on Twitter when he was whining about people eating dinner together. <laughs> he said, he said he it feels like he's living in a horror movie because he saw people living their normal lives. So it's like, sorry, man, like we're not waiting around until the libs are comfortable enough to come out of their basements. Like it, it's over. We're moving on. We're not waiting on them anymore. Yeah, I mean, like Wajahat Ali is just one of the one of the dumbest people in 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 media. Like he he offers no intellectual substance to any of the arguments that he makes. You may remember him from the the very viral Don Lemon segment with Rick Wilson, where they were like basically called all Trump supporters stupid and were like making fun of their accents and everything. Um, but like I, you know, I may understand where he might be coming from as a parent because he has a daughter who survived childhood cancer and is immunocompromised. But at the oh, same man. time... I, I did not, not know that. Like, in all fairness, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and so, uh, like, as a parent, I understand he might be a little more cautious than most people because he has a daughter like that. But at the same time, not everybody has a daughter. Not everybody has children like that. As we've known since the beginning of this pandemic, children are not, at ri- like, barely at risk from COVID in comparison to older people or people with pre-existing conditions. And like, I, like, like Tim Dillon quoted the tweet and had a really funny reply where he said, this is the liberal blue anon. 
But at this point, like I think I like to refer to it more as fluanon, which is just the the liberals who think they're doing something righteous by being for forever lockdowns. And it's like, you, like I live in the DC area, and when you when you leave, when you go like less than thirty minutes outside of DC, everybody is back to normal life, as they've probably been they've been probably been back to normal life through the entire year. But but everybody, the people inside the Beltway, politicians, they're all talking about how. Oh, on the, our goal is to have small gatherings on the 4th of July. It's like people have been doing this all year long. And it just shows how out of touch a lot of Beltway insiders like Wajahat Ali are with how the rest of the country has basically been is literally back to normal life and is not that's not changing anytime soon. I mean, it's just weird, too. It's like it's this is how, you know, it's a cult because like cults make people do stuff that they don't want to do. You know what I mean? It's not like. Cults, you're not in a cult just like having fun, like having a good time. It's like they, I, I get that leftists don't like us and they want to make our lives worse, but they're advocating for things that make their own lives worse. And, and that's that's how you know it's like cult like behavior. Like nobody wants to wear a dumb cloth mask forever. Like who actually wants that? Like who actually wants to go without human interaction forever? <laughs> it's like it, it's just bizarre to me how they're actively trying to prevent their own happiness. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just, they think they're doing something righteous. And I think like this, you know, doing, you know, listening to the doctors and all that, I think they gave a lot of like meaning to people with meaningless lives, like yeah, all of yeah. the people you see whining on Twitter every single day. And they've just, be, it's just like, it's become part of the, it's become part of their ethos. And, you know, I live in a blue area and I like, you know, the mask mandates and the, all the restrictions where I am are finally ended not too long ago. But like I walk outside or I walk into the grocery store and people are still wearing masks. And then you leave like you leave northern Virginia and you go like like I went to my friend's lake house, which is in rural Virginia. And like nobody there is wearing masks. I went to mass and the church was packed like people are back. Everybody outside the Beltway, everybody outside of New York City. Everybody is back to normal. Nobody's wearing masks anymore. And the only people who are still wearing them are, you know, the people who are really in tune to what's going on inside the Beltway. And I think it just it, it's just another one of those things where it shows the disconnect between, you know, the, the political class and, you know, the ruling class in this country and the rest and everybody else. I mean, I think it might it might just be a symptom also of, of the fact that leftists are just less physically attractive than we are. I mean, I get that, like, most dudes aren't absolute studs like you and I, but, like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, man, if you're just, like, ugly, you know, covering up your face for the last year might have been a, a good good thing. I don't know, man. I don't know, maybe there's something there. But I mean, maybe, look, for, maybe, maybe for women, too, because they didn't really have to worry about makeup anymore, except for their, like, eyes. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it probably saved them a lot of time in the morning, yeah. you know? Like, I, you know, I, it doesn't take my wife very long to get ready, but, like, I know some girls, it just takes them, like, all day. So, like, man, we're saving, like, three hours a day. Maybe yeah, there's I mean, something just, to that. <laughs> I just can't wait for, like, another, like, two years, and there'll be that one crazy person still wearing ma- a mask. Yeah. Like, it, like, it's just terrible. Like, it's ridiculous what people have been reduced to, like, what this <laughs> pandemic has done. My favorite response to a Wajahed Ali was uh, Stephen Miller, who was like, there's going to be... Just like East Coast libs just living in like an underground community for decades and then they just accidentally wander into the real world. They're just going to live out the plot of the movie The Village, that terrible <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like it, that's yeah. just, they're creating a world like that for themselves where they can just stay underground forever. Like it's it's so bizarre, man. But like uh, another thing that I, I missed <laughs> um, 
when I was fishing is the libs are at it again uh, when it comes to trying to take our guns. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to teach these idiots the same lesson, but like Biden, you know, he's been a, an anti-gun guy his entire 700-year-long career in, in Washington, D.C., but he jumped right into the dumbest liberal talking point on the Second Amendment, and that's where he, like— he, he they, they make two points that are, are completely contradictory. Uh, that you can't actually hold these two positions at the same time, but they try to. Um, it's just the mental gymnastics of being a leftist. But they call uh, and this is what Biden did last week. He called AR-15s, you know, weapons of war. And he also said that the AR-15 is useless because the federal government would just nuke us anyway. <laughs> so it's like one, you can't you can't hold both of those opinions simultaneously. That's not how it works. But just great stuff as always from the president of the United States. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Joe Biden really gave the greatest argument for the Second Amendment that I think any president has ever made, which is that you don't need a gun because the government can destroy you. And it's like, that's like, I can't think of a better sales pitch for why somebody should buy a gun other than the president of the United States saying that. And what, what I think is the funniest part about it is he somehow is under, he holds these two positions simultaneously that... You don't need a gun because the government. You don't need a gun to protect yourself from the government because the government's too powerful. Also, on January sixth, a bunch of armed people <laughs> yeah. almost overthrew the government. Yeah, like somehow, yep. like the left is somehow making those two arguments simultaneously, and like it's just another insanely bad and not well thought out argument against the Second Amendment. And it's very like, and I think th- there are productive conversations that I think. We could have in this country about balancing rights and risks, but the pro- but like it's always the problem, which is that the left jumps right to, okay, our solution to gun violence is we want to disarm law-abiding gun owners. I've never understood. There's no logic behind that, other than the left just doesn't believe in the Second Amendment in this country, and the, and they always jump to not how can we take guns away from criminals. And not how, how can we get guns out of the hands of people who want to do harm, but let's disarm all the law-abiding gun owners who've done nothing wrong. And it's always, it's always counterproductive, and it's ne- there's never going to be a productive conversation about what, we can, about what can be done to actually lower the risks of gun violence because of it. And it's really sad. I mean, imagine living through all these wars in the Middle East and still thinking that dudes with rifles can't beat the United States military. I mean, like, how how would Afghanistan turn out, guys? <laughs> like, I mean, come on. How about Vietnam? I mean, I, I wish yeah. I could. I wish I could speak other languages so I could say LOL in Vietnamese or Arabic. You know, anytime they try to make this argument, it's absolutely ridiculous. But like, why why do the Democrats? This is the multiple times they've done this. Why did why do they always threaten to nuke us? Like, it's so strange. Like, Eric Swalwell said something similar last year in between farting on TV and having sex with a Chinese spy, of course. <laughs> I mean, he's a busy guy, but he, he, he found the time to go on CNN and, and threaten to, to, to kill his, his countrymen, you know, half the country. But these people fantasize about killing their neighbors. You know what I mean? Like, that's really weird. Like, I, the, right, the right-wing version of that, like, what the, the annoying thing that right-wingers say about their political opponents is the whole, like, if you hate America, why don't you leave? You know, like, love it or leave it. Like, that, and which is, like, a stupid, annoying, like, lazy thing to say that Republicans say sometimes. But, like, the left-wing version of that is just to threaten to use the state to slaughter us and our families. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, like, this super aggressive behavior like the super they, they have these super bizarre violent fantasies of murdering us like it's really weird like i've never fantasized about like murdering my political opponents or anything 
yeah, I mean, it's, and like, and, and flip the parties for a second. Like, you can imagine what the headlines would be like if a Republican said something even remotely similar about, like, or at, at all fantasized about killing their political opponents. Like, it's, it, it, it's ridiculous. And, like, it's just, it, it's so frustrating every single argument that they make about guns and, and justifying assault, quote-unquote, assault weapons bans. Because, like, AR-15s are not responsible for the majority of gun deaths in this country. Rifles, in general, are, like, knives, people with fists kill way more people, according to the FBI, than AR-15s. The majority of gun deaths in this country occur with handguns. And and a lot of this is happening in America's cities where crime has been surging because they've because local politicians have cut police departments. Like, that's where the true epicenter of gun violence currently is in America. It's happening in cities with handguns. And it's, it's very tragic, but the, but the focus is, from the left is always on AR-15s, and for no other reason than it looks scary and is a little bit louder than a handgun. But the bottom line is a handgun, handguns are doing a lot more damage. And so their priorities are just, when it comes to guns, are always just insanely messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's not even handguns. Like, most random household appliances kill more people annually than the AR-15. Like, toasters kill 700 people a year. Toasters. Which is, like, 20 times as many people as the AR-15 kills a year. Okay. So it's like, I mean, every, like, I mean, I'm sure more people get struck by lightning and killed every year. You know, I'm sure, I, I don't know the numbers, but I know several people a year get hit on the head with falling coconuts and die. So I, I'd, I'd assume that coconuts are more deadly than the AR-15. Like, it's just, it's complete nonsense. It's, it's Andrew, nonsense. Andrew Cuomo killed more people in 2020 than AR-15 has <laughs> yes. in, like, the last 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and he also assaulted more women than uh, the AR-15 kills annually as well in the last year. So True. Yeah. Very just, true. Uh, how about some common sense Cuomo control, man? Get those guys out of here. My, exactly. my goodness. Yeah. Absolutely. That I just think the... it, it's your patriotic duty to buy an AR-15, man. Everybody needs one. Every man in America needs an AR-15. And, and ladies, too. I know yeah. a lot of ladies are buying ARs now. They're, you know, they're light. The recoil's manageable. Uh, you know, it's not it's not just a, a bro thing anymore. So I encourage yeah, everybody, I, everybody to buy yeah. an AR. Yeah, I mean, when you have an administration that's saying things like this, that's like, I can't think of a better pitch to about why about why you should buy an AR-15 than that clip of Biden the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. And he also, uh, just a side note before we move on, like we get that the president has either dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever, one of those things. I'm not a physician. I'm not diagnosing him, but he's clearly, you know, insane. He's he's like reached another stage of Alzheimer's where he just starts whispering anytime he's like really oh, you know, yeah, really creepy was... way. He starts, anytime he's challenged, he just starts like whispering. I don't know. It's really bizarre, man. I've never uh, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that. That video was so like there, no human being should ever whisper into a microphone. Like it's just yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, I mean, and, like, he's, he, and he's done that before too. Like, like whenever he's like. Whenever he's like trying to make like a point that he like thinks is obvious to everybody, he just starts whispering, and it's like it's so creepy. I don't get, get it at all. Yeah, I I wish we could go back to the look fat dementia days because that was what way less disturbing than the whispering dementia days. You know, it's like it's not we're going in the wrong direction, Joe Biden wise. I definitely think that's yeah. fair to say. But it's like who do we even have a government? Like who's running the White House right now? Is my question. Yeah, I mean not it's not, not definitely not Joe Biden. 
Yeah, I mean, I was hanging out with my my good friend uh, who's like apolitical. He came up, did some fishing with us, and he he. I mean, he's he votes and stuff, but um, like he's not a political guy. He really doesn't care. And he was just like, hey, like I don't like uh, Kamala Harris, but like, wouldn't it be like safer for everybody <laughs> if like if she were president? Like, just you know, God forbid we were attacked or something, and somebody had to make decisions. I'm like, yeah, man, that's uh that's fair. <laughs> that's it's a fair it's it's a fair thing to think about, yeah. It's not just right wingers who are noticing the the problems with Joe Biden's mental state. It's just everybody. I mean, they're like, all right, this is are we is a safe can we have the head of a government who, who can't think anymore? That's probably not not great. But one more thing before I let you go, man, and uh th- this got Twitter just going nuts over the last week. But um and that that's the in a the Tucker Carlson segment where he blasted Mark Milley, the 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 chairman of the Joint Chiefs. It, it's just crazy to me, man. Leftists hate the military. Like, they've always hated the military. But anytime a Republican criticizes the military, the, Demo- the Democrats, they turn into those goats that faint. You know? They, they clutch their pearls. How dare Tucker Carlson criticize Mark Milley? How dare... The generals are angels. They're perfect, you see? You know, it's like... God, it, I mean, it's as boring as it is predictable. Yeah, and it, what's incredible about it is, like, imagine going back to like 2004, 2003 and tell, tell a Democrat from, of that era that in 2021, they're going to find themselves allying ideologically with the military industrial (laughs) complex, allying ideologically with the people who are currently locking, who are currently responsible for the Iraq war. Yeah. And their, their favorite liberal MSNBC host is currently George W. Bush's comms director. (laughs) Like, like there was a time and I was like obviously in like second grade. So like but but, you know, in, back then um, the, there was a time when the Democratic Party literally organized its grassroots to oppose the wars in the Middle East, to oppose, you know, the actions of Amer- of the Pentagon and America's top generals opposing the Patriot Act and the surveillance state. And like they, they won. They won a landslide midterm election in 2006 campaigning entirely against all of that. And now fast forward to 2021 and all of these, you know, powerful forces in America are now embracing their ideology and they're finding themselves allying with those very people. And it's really, it's, 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 it's an interesting, uh, you know, realignment in American politics that has occurred where it's now like the GOP that's on, on the side of, you know, ending the wars in the middle East and being opposed to, you know, the top, you know, being opposed to the actions of the Pentagon and the CIA's surveillance programs, whereas the liberals are now taking the side of, oh, you, if you criticize these people, that makes you unpatriotic. And I, I'm glad that, you know, Republicans have awoken, I think, over the last few years to the fact that, you know, you know, the top, not, not like the rank and file people in the military, but the top people at the Pentagon don't have America's best interests in mind. And the top people in the intelligence community also don't have the America's best interests in mind, but they're all embracing like the ideology of the left. Like the CIA is releasing like woke commercials. The top generals are defending critical race theory. And it's like, if you're a liberal, do you ever, and you think you're on the side of like the little guy in this country, do you ever step back and think to yourself, why are the most powerful forces in the world and the most powerful institutions and power centers in America, why are they embracing the same ideology as me? Like, I wonder if any woke liberal ever sits back and thinks to themselves, thinks that to themselves. 
I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's like you you saw you saw the guys from Rage Against the Machine endorsing these Democrats. You know what I mean? Like Rage Against the Machine is allied with the machine that they were raging against for 30 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, the military industrial complex, Raytheon, you know, and the, the CIA, the, the, the joint chiefs of staff, the largest multinational, you know, the, the left is on the side of, of these giant multinational corporations in opposition to small business. You know what I mean? It's like, how, how do they go from Occupy Wall Street to that in like five years? You know what I mean? It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I guess I'll go back just real quick, just for anybody that missed it. I'll tweet out the clip, the Tucker Carlson clip, which was great. I mean, Tucker was right on. Absolutely. Uh, but he called out Mark Milley uh, for his ridiculous mission to turn the military into a weird, woke indoctrination center. He's talking about how, how important critical race theory is and stuff like that. And it's just it's just so fascinating to watch the, the left immediately turn into, like, bootlicking military defenders. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, and I, I, I think it's been great to see Republicans waking up from some of their statist tendencies, you know, like Republicans, they all want to shrink the government, cut taxes and all this. And then anytime you bring up like the cops of the military, they're like turning into big government leftists. <laughs> like, oh no, you can't criticize the cops and the military. And that's always driven me crazy. Um, but I mean, you know, look, if you see, if you see cops arresting pastors for the crime of preaching the gospel, right. And you see generals promoting this, this communist race obsessed, ideology it's going to open a lot of people's eyes and, and thank god it is you know it's, it's driven me crazy watching republicans immediately revert back to like statism anytime you bring up the military so I, like hopefully that era is over yeah and i think like that that that's one of the greatest things that sort of the trump movement ever did yeah is that it sort of it it woke up a lot of gop voters and like me especially because like you know i've been coming on your show for a long time now and you know that i didn't used to be with you on uh on like ending the wars and stuff yeah um but like i think trump really uh, he woke up a lot of gop voters who maybe were hesitant about you know who may have been taken the side of corporate america and taken the side of the military you know unconditionally and i think trump really awoken woke up people to the fact that you know you know government is a powerful force that always has the potential to limit our rights but it's also woke corporations and the military that are doing a lot to sort of upend the culture in this country. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, Trump was outspoken against that and he woke up a lot of the GOP to that. And now that, you know, opposing, you know, opposing woke corporations and, you know, being on the side of ending the wars is now where the GOP is. And that's, that's a really good, that's a good thing that the Trump movement did for, for the, for the political right in this country. Yeah. 100%. And I think it goes back to, um, um, Shoot, what was uh, Trump's first uh, uh, defense secretary? Mad Dog? Mattis. Mad James, yeah, James Mattis. Mattis. Mattis, yeah. And, and he quit. You know, everybody on the right loved him. Loved, you know, he's this big, tough guy, military guy. And, and he quit because he wanted more war. <laughs> and Trump didn't. Yeah. Trump wouldn't give him the war he wanted. So he quit. And, and, you know, some, like, establishment Republican types were like, oh, how dare Trump defy the great and powerful James Mattis. And all of us normal people that have watched what's been going on in the Middle East for the last 20 years. They're like, yeah, Trump's obviously right, and James Mattis is wrong. Like, we don't have to... And that's why I don't understand, like, the people defending Mark Milley. Like, he's... Mark Milley is clearly wrong. Like, he's promoting communist indoctrination within the military. Like, nobody, unless you're a communist, <laughs> should should defend this. But, like, how are we... Why are we supposed to listen to Mark Milley on race? Just because he's a general. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, well, I don't even know why we need to listen to Mark Milley on anything. The generals have been wrong about everything for 20 years. They just wake up and are wrong all the time. I mean, they've, they, I mean, they've been focused for the last decade at least on trying to start a war with Iran. Okay, like that's Mark Milley's goal. So it's like, I, why, why, why are we listening to this guy again? Like, I, I don't care that he's a general. Like, what, what does that mean to me? I mean, the, the, I, I don't trust Mark Milley as far as I can throw him. Like, I don't feel some need to defend him just because he's got you know stars and bars on his chest. I, I don't, I don't get that that mindset. Yeah, and I mean, the GOP I think was very stuck in that mindset for a very long time. But like, as I said, like we've woken up now to the fact that you know the top people who are in charge of, Amer- of, of America's foreign policy and who are in charge of, you know, Amer- the America's military don't necessarily have the best interests of our country in mind. You know, they want to keep fighting the Afghanistan war. And like, it's Mattis literally quit as secretary of defense because he didn't want to pull troops out of Syria. And like, as we saw when Trump was president, every time he announced a troop withdrawal, so there would be some leak from the intelligence, from the Pentagon that embarrasses admin- the administration. And the media obviously goes along with it because nobody wants to has a consensus for war quite like the American mainstream media. And yeah, I mean, just because and like just because and it's it's just funny to watch the left after the Tucker segment dropped who are like, oh, he's he's a military man who served our country. He can't he's immune from criticism. You're not allowed to criticize him. It's like there was one guy in MS like there was an NBC, a retired general who's like a commentator on NBC now who was like calling for Tucker Carlson to get fired over this. He, and, and he literally said word for word in this tweet, I forget the guy's name, but this general says in this tweet, who talks about a public official like this? And I'm like, uh, do we live in China? Yeah. Like, we're, what like, a make, bizarre. Yeah. Like I, I don't, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, oh, Tucker Carlson never served. How dare he? It's like, what? This isn't the Soviet union. Like, yeah. we, like we and have a like, civilian-run military. Like, we, we do you, not live in a military dictatorship. My goodness. And if, and if you, like, want to talk about being disrespectful to the military and to the soldiers in this country, there's no, there's nobody, nothing that has been more disrespectful to America's soldiers than the politicians and the top people at the Pentagon who have kept them fighting pointless wars for the last 20 years. There's yes. nothing more disrespectful than that. Absolutely. If you want to respect the troops, get them, get them home. Get them out of there. Come up with a plan. I mean, give, give them a mission. Give them something that they're actually trying to accomplish if you want to respect the troops. My goodness. I guess one more thing before I let you go. Kamal Harris, uh, our uh, our brilliant vice president, uh, sort of <laughs> visited the, the southern border. I, I think she just went because Trump said he was going to go this week. And she's like, oh, crap. Well, I guess I got to get my, my happy ass down to the border. But she didn't actually go to any of the border facilities holding tens of thousands of children in cages. Uh, she just made a pit stop at the El Paso airport. So, like, it's just, it's a, like, we don't need to get into, like, the border po- policy and how Biden's making it worse and all that. But it's just like, I guess my only point is, it's not hard to do PR. You know what I mean? Like, she could have gone to the border and handed out water bottles or something a month ago and diffused all this, but she just sucks so bad at politics. Like, it, it's amazing. I can't remember the last time a, a vice president was this talentless in terms of just just basic politics 101, basic public relations. She's terrible at it. Well, not only did she not go to the border, but she didn't even, like, she didn't even visit an area along the border that no. is act- where the actual crisis is happening. That's like no. My roommate, my roommate is uh, Julio Rosas from Town Hall, who does a lot of coverage at the border. And like, 
So he's like, we talk, we've talked about this a lot and like made fun of her. And, but he, when he goes to the border, he goes to the places that have been hit the hardest are La Jolla, which is an area along the Rio Grande and McAllen, which is an area that has a lot of border wall that is not very finished. Like this is like, those places are the actual epicenter of the crisis where people, you know, children are being tossed over border barriers and grandmothers are being carried across the Rio Grande, almost drowning. But she went to El Paso, which is like not even a remotely not. It's it's a it's an area of the border that is not even remotely close to where the crisis is. No. And and you're right. Like in terms of her being bad at politics, like it's Joe Biden. Like like they. I think the Biden administration knew that they were responsible for for this border crisis. It was their policies, and he didn't. And I think they wanted a way to sort of take the pressure off of the president. So they gave it to, he, he appointed his vice president to be the quote unquote border czar just to, so she had to deal with all of the negative media coverage that has come with an obvious failure on their part. And what's, what, what's hilarious about like the media that constantly fawns over vice president Harris being like the first black woman to ever be vice president is like, people forget that when she ran for president, she dropped out six months before Iowa when she was polling at less than 3% in her home state of California. Terrible. Like, like nobody like, like she was not in any way, shape or form, one of the top candidates in the race. And she's, she's in the position she is now because Joe Biden promised to appoint a black woman, but she's not like, as we've seen, she's not good at politics and I don't know who's doing her comms, but they're not very good at it. I think we did a story a couple weeks ago where apparently her team, like via like reports, freaked out when she got this border assignment for like obvious reasons because she's obviously not equipped to handle it and it's like all of this like lovely coverage that she gets for being the first woman to be vice president or like it, it like it just it covers for the fact that she's just she's never been very good at politics and like it's just it's it's ridiculous and it's like it's to the detriment of people along the border like it's yeah. not just republicans saying this like there are democrats in texas who represent border districts who have criticized her a lot as well i mean people are people are dying trying trying to get here illegally okay like this is just a bad this is bad i mean this isn't about like you know immigration policy or anything like a closed border is a not a closed border but you know a, a you know a, a restricted border is is a safe border i mean like legal immigration is safer like these people like there are children dying and people dying trying to cross the rio grande to get here like it's they're not helping anybody by refusing to secure the border. Like who is benefiting from this? Well, I'm, not the, one, I'm not one of these like border pock guys. I'll like, oh, keep them all out. No, I, like, I want people coming here legally. You know, I think immigration is great, but it's like, I, I just like what with the Biden border policy, it's like, who like, I don't like, you're not benefiting anybody, any side of, of this debate. Like just everybody is suffering. The Americans who, who live on the border that the, the, the immigrants themselves trying to come here illegally like everybody is suffering because of the biden administration's policies and so i don't i mean i it's it's not like what they're doing is humane or anything you can't even pretend that there's any humanity behind any of these policies well i mean yeah the it, it just goes to show that their rhetoric during the campaign it was easy back then to talk about how trump's actions to secure the border were you know they they you know the criticized that he was heavily criticized for immigration more than anything else and they were like but when, when you would ask them during the campaign about like what their plans were for the border they wouldn't give an answer they would just talk about how oh we we welcome immigrants to this country we welcome everybody the trump trump hates immigrants and we like immigrants and then they become president and you quickly realize that an unrestricted border policy 
doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit the migrants because it empowers the cartels to, you know, smuggle them in dangerous ways to, to the country. And it hurts Americans who live along the border, who actually have property down there and have to deal with, you know, this ongoing surge that is uncontrollable. And it's just it just goes to show the leftist pipe dream of open borders runs up against the reality of what actually is happening on the ground there. Absolutely. And I think Biden's going to run again. I don't think I, I, I guess I mean, the merit the narrative has always been that Biden, you know, because he does have Alzheimer's or whatever, like he'll just serve one term and then Kamala Harris will be kind of the prepackaged candidate in 2024 ready to run and stuff. But I, I think the only people that want that is the media. Like, I just don't think like one. I, don't, I think Biden, I mean, I, I don't know how aware he is of his own deficiencies mentally. Um, he, I'm surely he knows something. I'm surely he's on medication or something. You know, he's been diagnosed with something by a physician, I'm sure. But like, um, I, I don't think a man like that who's, who's just wanted power his entire life would, would give it up willingly. I think he is going to run again. And I, I don't know. It almost like with this whole border stuff, it almost seems like Joe Biden hates Kamala Harris. You know, like he just put her in charge of this because it was a no win situation. He didn't want to be, stained by these awful images coming coming off the border um and and i don't know he just kind of hung her out to dry <laughs> to take the fall for all of this I, I i don't know if maybe i'm just i don't know that that's my guess from thirty thousand feet but like i don't know i i think harris is almost set up to take the fall because she is such a talentless politician i think team I biden know. knows that she doesn't have what it takes to be president and i don't know i if I had to guess right now, and I have no information to back this up, I'm just I'm just talking, man. But like, I think Biden runs again. I think he probably just stuck Harris with this so he could avoid the the scrutiny of, of what he's doing uh, on the border. And I don't know. Do you think there's any any truth to that? Anything behind that? Well, yeah, I kind of said that earlier in the show when we were talking about this. I think that's a very I think that's entirely plausible. Like, I think it's you know he he definitely just wanted to you know take away the media because like even like a lot of the corporate media outlets have been critical of you know the biden administration's handling of the border and you know reversing remain in mexico and all the other trump era policies that 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 were was able to that were able to contain it and i think i think it's entirely plausible that he wanted to you know take the negative media coverage away from him and onto his vice president because it was good politically for him and she's like a convenient She's a convenient person to throw to the to the wolves right there. So I think that's entirely plausible. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, it seems to be working. Biden's approval rating is pretty high and um, Harris's is not. And uh, I mean, most of these pollsters are, are left wing guys that word their their questions in, in a way that, that gives a lot of grace to left wing politicians. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they're uh, these pollsters are asking the questions in a way that would paint Kamala Harris in a, in a in a positive light, but like her approval rating is underwater. It's like ten points lower than Biden's. So it's like I I think the DNC I think they see the writing on the wall, man. I think they they bet a lot on 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 Harris. They they convinced Team Biden to to make her VP and, and all that, um, thinking she'd be like the perfect candidate down the road. I just don't. I think I don't know. I think they're crazy for thinking that. I think she's just so bad at this that I think she's just much worse at this than than anybody on the left thought. And so I don't know. I think we're going to I think we're dealing with Joe Biden for a while. You know, let's hope DeSantis or whoever can take him out in 2024. But I, I think I, I just think that the narrative that he was going to willingly give up power and just go away and give that spot to Kamala Harris. I, I, I think that was 
I don't even know why people thought that on the right. It's like, what what about Joe Biden for the last 50 years would lead you to believe he is not a power-hungry monster who wants to hang on to power as long as he possibly can? So it's like, you know, I, I think we're going to be dealing with him for a while. Greg, my friend, uh, thanks for doing this. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Wherever Can everybody uh, read your stuff, follow you online, all that good stuff? Um. Yeah, just Greg underscore Price 11 on Twitter and follow The Daily Caller on all of our socials. And don't forget to subscribe to The Daily Caller. And if you use the promo code GREG21 at your checkout, you get 40% off and I get commission. So it's a win all around. You get all our content behind the paywall and no more ads on our website. So definitely do that. Cheap skates. Come on. You, yeah. you can afford it. It's 40% off. Plus, you know. Greg needs another AR-15, so uh, you know, make it's it true. happen for him. Uh, everybody follow Greg. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Um.